Hello again and welcome to the Project Football Podcast in association with Luke Williamson Art and Football for Brains 21 quiz book. A bit more on those later on. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank the guests on episode 35, which were Luke and B from the brilliant City Lights. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to be chatting to the host of wrestling-based Bang Bang Podcast and Bristol City fan, Andy. Uh, he's going to be taking on the wonderfully random 5 from 5, picking his matches for 4 for you and making the tough or not so tough choices um, for his 11 in a trippy through time. There's also the usual team info and poem. Alongside all that, we've got new music in the form of the top six and also mini segments of your five tier champs, PFP, FPL roundup, lifting the veil, a football manager story and some more pun related goings on in a play on words. It's time for kickoff. Here we go then with some information on Bristol City. Uh, They were founded in 1894. They currently play at Ashton Gate with a capacity of 27,000. Playing in the Championship at the moment, uh, managed by Nigel Pearson. Highest goal scorer is John Attio between 1951 and 1966 with 351. Uh, Most appearances, Lewis Carey. Uh, from 95 to 2004, and then a second spell from 2005 to 2014, notching up 646 games. Honours-wise, they've won the championship, or second tier, uh, once in 1906, uh, runners-up in 1976, tier three, or league one as we now know it, uh, champions in 1923, 1927 and 1955, all with South in brackets. So, presuming it was regionalised back then. Uh, and again in 2015, uh, runners up in 1965, 1990, 1998, and 2007. As far as cup competitions go, uh, the closest they've got to lifting the FA Cup was as runners up in 1909. Uh, they've won the Football League trophy three times. In 1986, 2003, uh, 2015, also being runners-up in 1987 and 2000. Uh, They won the Welsh Cup in 1934. The Anglo-Scottish Cup, they won that in 1978. Uh, Got a record league victory of 9-0 versus Aldershot in December 1946. Uh, Record FA Cup win, 11-0 over Chichester City in November 1960. Uh, For some reason, I couldn't find uh, the record League Cup win, so if anybody does know, then feel free to let us know. Uh, Transfer-wise, record fee paid was £8 to Chelsea for Thomas Callas in July 2019. Uh, Record fee received was £20 from Brighton Hove Albion for Adam Webster in August of that same year, 2019. Uh, Five famous fans Got uh, Baldrick himself, Tony Robinson, uh, John Cleese, so another famous uh, name of British comedy, uh, Mark Watson, another comedian, um, former England batsman, and I believe captain possibly, uh, Marcus Triscothic, and former Formula One racer and world champion, uh, Jensen Button. As for players that have had a foot in both camps, uh, currently, uh, Kane Wilson. Uh, Mickey Mellon, uh, Stuart Naylor, Tony Butler, current Newcastle striker Chris Wood, uh, Jonathan Lecco, 
A um, couple of legends, definitely for West Brom. Uh, Chris Brunt, after he was released by the club, and Super himself, the one and only Bob Taylor. And also their manager, Nigel Pearson, was also, I believe, in caretaker charge um, after Brian Robson left in the mid-2000s, I think about 2006, maybe. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to look that up, then that's fine. Um, I'm just trying to do this off uh, off memory. So that's your information. So now I will hand over to myself and Andy in conversation. Our guest for this episode of the Project Football Podcast is the host of his own podcast. It's the Bang Bang Podcast. Andy, Bristol City fan, welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? Mark, it's, 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 it's great. It's a pleasure. I'm waiting to come on this show for a while to talk about my uh, my real true love, Bristol sure, City. I was going to say, are you sure they're your ones at the moment, given how the, t- the season's going? Or you, you... Well, no, I mean, anyone who supports... Um, I class this as, you know, like a, a typical sort of lower league. You know, we, 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 we've got aspirations to be to be a big team. Um, but you kind of take the rough with the smooth, don't you? So uh, Definitely. You make the most of the good days when they happen. But Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, he's 30 plus years as a West Brom fan. You're preaching to the choir there, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So uh, we'll discuss your podcast a little bit first, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. So... Um, for those of who don't get the title of it, I'm going to hazard a guess. This is a Cactus Jack reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we we decided to. So it was me and um, me and my mate Steve. So we started the show a couple of years ago now, uh, the end of 2019. Um, and we decided to do the show, but we didn't actually have a name for the show before we'd actually started doing it. And we kind of tossed a few ideas around. Um, and then I just made a decision, basically. As with most things on the show, Fair enough. yeah, it was like you do it, and I was like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, so I just named it uh, "Bang Bang Podcast" after Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, um, yep. one of our favourite wrestlers, famous. So I tried to get him on the show a few times. So, as of yet, still unsuccessful, I'm guessing. Well, he he sent me um, during the pandemic. He was sending like a lot of uh, messages out to people, you know, saying you know, sort of supporting them and stay strong, sort of during the pandemic. And I said, oh. Any chance you could send a message out to like um, NHS workers and that sort of thing, and he did it. He did that, okay, which was which was great. And then um, I was like, "Oh, do you fancy seeing like the show's actually pretty much named after you? Do you fancy coming on for an episode?" And uh, it didn't reply. And then recently, I tried because we got our hundredth episode coming up soon. I thought I'll have another go, and he replied and said, "Now he's got his own podcast, and I think he's tied into some sort of deal with uh, Comrade Thompson." Right. He said he could literally only appear on his own podcast and like a That's few it. select members of that sort of stable. Um, but so that was nice. At least he replied. I was going to say, at least uh, you got a response from him rather than, you know, being yeah. ignored. So that's a bonus. Yeah. I think he's a top bloke in real life. So yeah, I, um, I don't know if you've been to it at all. You know, he did like the, uh, like his spoken word thing going around the, the country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first time uh, that I saw him in Birmingham, he did like mm. a, fr- a free meet and greet afterwards. He didn't have to, you know, didn't have to pay an extra for it like you had done since. Yeah. And uh, I'd, I'd say a gentle giant. Mm. And he seemed to you know, make time for literally everyone in the queue till the last person had been seen. Uh, and he was there with Socko as well. 
Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You, you got your two for one there, didn't you, sir? That's yeah, bonus, yeah. Sir. But that was that was really good. But like the second time it went, it was uh, it was like an extra 20, 30 quid or something stupid for the mm. main grid. Like, now nah, you know what? I've met him already. That'll do. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 a lot of these guys tend to be like really, especially the old school guys, tend to be either really top solid blokes or like absolute wankers. Yeah. So I think he, he, he falls into the, uh, you know, into the top, top, top solid guys. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so he's not got a solid physique though, as he let's, you know, let's be honest. No, well, <laughs> you know, COVID's been hard on all of us, Mark. <laughs> but um, no, so you say you're approaching 100 episodes of your show. Um, mm. Have you got anything special lined up for it? Or is it just going to be just another... <laughs> Just another episode as, as your normal ones have gone. I was trying to think of maybe trying to do something special, but it's probably going to be um, not that much different to a normal show. Although uh, it, it may be a bit of an old school episode if you if you catch my drift. So yeah. I might have uh, a certain someone coming back to do one episode. Okay. Um, but almost yeah, like, it's like a Legends Night on Raw sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he certainly thinks he's a legend. Yeah, I'm not sure anybody else does. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks' time. So yeah, yeah so you're almost there then. Almost there. Yeah, yeah we just released uh, ninety-seven this past. Uh, well, actually, by the time this comes out, ninety-eight will be out. So we'll be a couple of weeks away. Yeah, but I've got a bit of a uh, scheduling issue, so I've recorded some episodes ahead of time. Got you. Let's try to work out where numbers are. So I normally say you better tell which episodes are recorded out of order. When I don't say the number of the episode at the start of the show, you can guess that was recorded like six months in advance. So, so just keep them in the can ready for uh, yeah, yeah, emergency yeah. use. Yeah, yeah. That's so, fair enough. So, I'm so you've been doing it a couple of years, um, mm. a similar amount of time to this one, to be fair, but yeah, yours, yours is weekly. Yeah, yeah. And I do yeah. tend to take off, take break. I mean, we had a break because um, me and Steve were both. Um, well, I'm working in NHS, he works in private uh, healthcare, but we obviously, we both, the original show was sat face-to-face in his kitchen doing it over an uh, iPad. Yeah. Um, we had to stop that, obviously, during the pandemic, so um, we were quite busy as well, <laughs> funnily enough. Uh, understandable. Yeah. So we had a few months off of that and then started doing it again over Skype. Um, and then we've had breaks in between, because, again, it's, 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 it's great. I mean, I love doing it. Um, it's a great laugh and it's, it's great to meet, especially now, again, up until episode 50, it was me and Steve. And then since then, it's been different guests each week. And it's, um, it's, it's just great to meet, you know, cool people as well. And talking, who've got, again, I'm pretty much every, every guest I've been on with knows more about wrestling than I do. And it's probably more of an interest in wrestling than I do. I've got, I like the old stuff and I sort of keep an eye on the, on the more recent stuff, but I'm more into the kind of general chit chat and bollocks, yeah. uh, which goes on most weeks. Um, but doing it with a different person every week has been uh, good. But we do have breaks, so even though we've been going for two years, we're only now coming up to episodes a hundred. So um, kids and life and that sort of thing and work right. tend to, yeah, definitely. I say this yeah. is going to be number thirty six. Hmm. I don't know what I started. I didn't have anything sort of worked out properly as to how often I was yeah. going to do it. Then I thought. You know, I can work it round, work and everything else. So now I'm doing it fortnightly, and it's it's rolling along nicely. But like you say with yours, you, you I say you've got like a pattern for so you record, you edit, you yeah. release. You know, you've got that sorted out. And I suppose like anyone that does anything like this, 
if you can keep it to a a relatively tight schedule, you're all right. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm quite disorganised to be honest. I normally scramble around. So I mean, the shows normally go out Sunday. Well, they go out Monday morning, but they I put them up at midnight on the you know at the the stroke of midnight on the yeah. on the Monday. Um, but I'm normally scrambling around <laughs> half past eleven on a Sunday night trying to get the uh, trying to get the the last bit of editing. I'm I'm a bit, a bit of a last minute merchant in so, most things in my life. So I found that if you usually your best work comes when you're under the pressure. Mm. It's like, well, I've got, you know, so long to do this. And it's like, right, that's when the best ideas come to you. Yeah. I mean, when we started off, I used to basically, we used to record it. I used to have to get the bus home from Steve's. And by the time I got the bus home, I just uploaded it and didn't edit. And those early episodes, there's nothing, literally nothing edited out at all. It was, I just tag on the intro and the outro. So by the time I got back to my house, the show was ready to go up. And I just put it up straight away. So, but in time, I've learned there is a value to editing certain yes. things out. <laughs> Definitely. Although, yeah. if uh, if you took out all of the ums and ahs and all that sort of thing, you'd be like, have like a five minute show. You would for me anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I've I've worked to think this. I've got on the app I use to edit. There's like a, a silence truncator, so it cuts down the the length of the show by about. 20 minutes sometimes when you you know edit out all those very brief sort of moments of silence yeah but, uh, but yeah and I, I do tend to ramble on like a you know born old man so you'll have to you'll have to stop me at certain points tonight that's the thing it, it's better to have someone who can talk a mm. lot than you know someone who's sort of you know you're struggling to sort of get answers <laughs> out of them or you get a lot of very short answers so you know that's oh, that, yeah. that, that's fine by me yeah so, yeah yeah we're in for right. a long night yeah um, <laughs> Let's move on to the football then. Come on then. So you are a Bristol City fan, as I mentioned, right at uh-huh. the start. Um, yeah. How? Why? Well, I mean, as with most Bristol City fans, I'd imagine it's something you're kind of born into. There aren't many people, you know, we have, we don't attract many glory hunters. Um, so yeah, my dad was a big, um, my dad and my granddad were both big City fans. Um, took me to, well, I, I first started off going back in the early 80s my granddad used to take me to reserve games so back in those days the reserve team would play sort of two o'clock in the afternoon at the Ashton Gate so like at the at the first team's ground and you could get in for free so he just used to take me sit me on his knee and I'd watch the uh watch the reserves um and then I think it was I think my first season was 84 85 um and the old man was proper old school city fan so there was no no, no chance of me ever supporting anybody else, to be honest. So, so. City or nothing. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, that, that's usually um, hmm. the, I don't want to say obvious one, but nine times out of ten, that's the reason. It's it's, it's come down from a family member. Or, yeah. You know, parent, uncle, auntie, brother, whatever. Yeah. They're yeah. the ones especially, that got you into it. Especially when you're not supporting one of the big teams. Um oh, no. Yeah, it tends to be tends to be the reason, doesn't it? Or you know, where you've grown, you grow up, sort of locality. But I yeah, say, not, oh. not as if you're it for the glory either. No, 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 no. And we're coming up to almost well, get on for forty years normally. Yeah. them, which makes me feel very old. I was going to say yeah. that, that that's all. Well, that's about as long as I've been alive. So just to you know, yeah. give that a little bit of context for you. Thank you, man. Thank you, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I did. I did start early. I did start early in my defence. So nah, yeah. that's fair enough. But no, um, 
Yeah, I've got a few memories of watching Bristol City. I've never been to Ashton Gate. Okay, uh, but obviously, yeah, there's been a couple of matches that I've seen at the Hawthorns. I think mm. I remember one in the early to mid nineties, maybe. Mm. And I think we'd already signed Super Bob from you at this point. Okay, and you had like a a purple and green away kit. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you tend to sort of go to that now and again, don't you? From what I can remember. Yeah, that's one of our famous kits. I think. Well, we wore it uh, when we beat Liverpool in the FA Cup. That was one of our, you know. That got a lot of national attention, and then the, obviously the kit got a lot of attention as well because you didn't see many purple and green. Um, and then we brought it back about five or six years ago, and it, it was one of those things everybody was like, "Oh, that, that was a kit which stuck in people's mind." And and now we've kind of stuck with it on love. Right, you back? Up from there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I wish I knew. Okay. It just you it just you said the recording stopped. Yeah, you your audio went. And then mm. the video just froze. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, anyway, you're back. So you were saying about the uh, win over Liverpool in the Cup and the green, purple and green kit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That kit is you know, one of our, you know, one of our famous iconic kits. It probably helped it. We wore it in that, one of, one of our sort of most famous, famous matches. So, um, but yeah, but I've got a few memories of going to the Hawthorns, um, generally getting beat. Um, we had yeah. one, one, one game six in my memory. I think it was 98 99 season. We got relegated that season, but we had um, we were pretty useless at the time. And we went to your place, it was around Christmas. And we, I think we uh, we went a goal down, equalized, and we were sort of pushing for a winner. And then the ref played probably 96 97 minutes. And then Lee Hughes scored right at the death. Yeah. And the the ref literally just blew up as soon as, as, soon as the ball went in there. It, it got a five run two. Well, I knew that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of those games. But I think there was a lot of, um, a fair amount of aggro as well in that game. So, yeah. So it's probably as close as you can get to a, a local derby, depending on what teams are in the division at the time, isn't it? Well, yeah, there were always easy games to get to, those Midlands games, you know, like West Brom and... Wolves have been in Molyneux a few times, St Andrews, um, and then you Stoke, Derby, Leicester. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're always kind of not not local derbies, but close enough to take good numbers too. So they're always uh, good trips. Yeah, have a lot of the next region over rather than the next town over. Isn't that yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. obviously we're not we don't we don't play our own local rivals very often. Then we've got Swindon, which are our next. Always were our sort of next rivals. Yeah. These days, it's the Welsh teams. But, um, yeah. So that's as close as you get, isn't it? Playing Swansea and Cardiff. In the moment, yeah. 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 yeah we don't play the other lot very often. So, no. Yeah. So, right. I'll tell you what, we'll get on to a little bit of randomness now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the five from five segment, uh, if anyone hasn't heard this before and you're new to it, uh, I've got five blocks of 10 questions. Uh, and what Andy's going to do is pick a number from one to ten from each section. You could have number one for every one, or you can go one, two, three, four, five, however you want to do it. But like I say, the beauty is in the randomness. So, block one, one to ten, what are we having? Well, I'm going to do my the year of my birth, so I'm going to go to one to start off with. Okay. Uh, what is the best fantasy football team name that you've heard or seen? Oh. See, I, I was never, we did at school, um, when fantasy football first started, when the, when the programme was on, you know, with Frank Skinner and David Baddiel. Yes. 
just before that, when it became quite of a sort of big thing, and we did, um, we had a school, so we did one in our year at school, like a fantasy football league, and we had an auction, and everybody had a budget. And then if you went over that budget, you could actually, we made it, you could actually spend your own actual money <laughs> to, uh, yeah. to buy players. So I, one of my mates had left a lot of debt. For, I think he bought, um, I think he bought Chris Sutton for like 30, actual like 30 quid. He bought Chris Sutton or something. <laughs> we were like 15 at the time. Um, What's important? How so, did you get yeah. that sort of money? <laughs> I know, yeah, I think his dad was bankrolling in his attempt to uh, okay. uh, win the league. But yeah, he had like a sugar daddy, but uh, it didn't work. Um, 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 that's a good question. I'm not really good with sort of comedy team names. We had, um, oh, I was trying to think what, uh, me and Millwall Chris, when we were on um, uh, Morty and Fisher's show, we had a name for our... Uh, Quiz team, I can't remember what we called it. Oh, it was uh, Christopher Biggins. We called it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it doesn't count as a fantasy football team name, but that's a good quiz. Uh, good, uh, good quiz name, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your yeah. team called? In the, um, I know you guys have got a fantasy. Team, I'd, I've got two. One's called Project Football FC, original. Yeah. I know. Uh, the other <laughs> one's called Pain in the Glass, because mm. where I'm from, it's famous for its uh, glass industry. Okay. Not or, bad. Or, or it could be a play on Jimmy Glass, you know, depending on which way you want to yeah. go Not for it. Bad. But yeah, I've gone Not for bad. that. Yeah. Um, previous ones I've had, my first one, and I remember this all day, was three shredded wheat. Okay. Don't ask. I have no idea why I called it that. I must have been hungry at the time. Yeah. But we're talk, <laughs> talking like, like that was when it, that's how when it first came out as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you had to get the we paper to get all the points yeah, on that. We did one a few years ago, pre, I think it was. I think it was pre-COVID. We decided to... So you can do it online now, can't you? Yeah. So the, the, the actual um, original sort of fantasy football league thing is sort of back up and running. You could pay... I think we had to pay £10 each. Um, and we did an actual auction in the house. So there's about 10 of us in the house. And we did auction. We went through all the... Everybody, you know, could suggest a player. And it went on for about seven hours. Uh, and there's people that one of my mates was on holiday abroad. And he was bidding from Germany. On. <laughs> and one of my mates got uh, fed up. And I can't remember where it was, it was, like a random, he had like 30 million left to spend. He wanted to go home. So I think, I can't remember who came up. It was somebody like like a useless striker. And uh, then came up and he's like, yep, yeah, I'll have 30 million. Right, that's it. I'm off. I can't go in there. <laughs> Just to blow his budget on that. But uh, but yeah, I, I was always a big fan of doing doing it the old traditional way, fantasy football league with the auction, and you can only have everybody's got you know their own team, so you don't get duplicate players. Because again, it gets a bit, doesn't it? When everybody picks, everybody's got like Kane or Salah, that sort of thing. It's yeah, it seems like a bit of a or everyone just captains Haaland and that's it, it's game over. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't really understand the whole that that you know the more modern sort of fantasy football, more of an old old school fantasy football player, but. So you get points for this, this, and this, and that's it. Yeah, goals, assists, you know, and you get, you get points for goals conceded and red cards. And yeah, yeah. keep it basic. Yeah, yeah. that's it. So. All right. Um, second section then. Okay, I'll go for a nine then. Okay. Uh, as a player, what would be the song that you would want to walk out onto the pitch to before kickoff? So oh, what's, what, what's that wow. one tune that gets you sort of you know ready for the? <laughs> well, we um. We used to have back in the early two thousands. 
we used to do uh we were big all big uh pro evolution players okay uh and we'd have this is we were all we were all single at the time surprisingly <laughs> we would um on the weekend on like on a saturday night we'd get a load of beer in and we'd have like um a world cup yeah but it'd be um you know maybe eight of us we'd all pick a team and we'd we'd actually play like a proper tournament like a round robin thing semi-finals final and we used to have songs that were uh like the national anthem of the uh of the world cup so one of them was uh love and pride by uh king okay and another one was the uh the uh, four horsemen of the apocalypse by uh vangelis right <laughs> Yeah. Interesting choices, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not really sure what I'd like to to come out to. Obviously, at Bristol City, we come out to uh, one for the Bristol City by the Wurzels. Um, not not adhering to any sort of stereotypes or anything like of that. Of course not. No, no. Um, I mean, obviously, the greatest song of all time is probably "I Could Be So Good for You" by uh, Dennis Waterman. So that could be a that'd be a good one to come out to. I think. I'm sure that there is a reference there for something, but I'll, yeah. I'll let other people work that out. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll go for that one. I, I had something else then, but it's completely gone. Which it was going to be a rest. It's got a lot of the, I don't know, Mankind's or Mick Foley's old entrance music or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean there's lots of different wrestling yeah. themes, aren't there? That you could be good. And, and you, do it, you see it now, like, I know Arsenal, they always play, uh, they tend to play a lot of wrestling music, sort of think- half time or. I'm pretty sure um, when I spoke to Perry Manning, I mean, this has gone back you know, quite a few episodes ago, who's a big Arsenal fan. Yeah. He said they're playing one of the Triple H songs, yeah, one of the Motorhead yeah. ones, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, so that's two down. Uh, here we go, right, block three. Um, okay, so I'll go for a seven. Okay, you've got a last-minute penalty in the cup final. It's nil-nil. Mm-hmm. Who's taking it? So any Bristol City player, past or present, Who's stepping up for the Robins to take that penalty? So, uh, J. Emmanuel Thomas. Okay. Um, he, if you, if you go and watch his penalty taking technique on YouTube, he uh, is incredible. So he he had a, a two years with us. Um, he's one of those guys. He obviously came from the Arsenal youth ranks. I was going to say, was I, he from Arsenal? Yeah, and he was on loan at loads of places, and um, would have like good loan spells. And they go back to Arsenal, sort of be you see him scoring his world is in the reserves. And he had a couple of big moves. I mean, we went to Ipswich and Cardiff and um never really did it. Uh and he came to us and he had two years with us. The first year we were pretty poor. He was like the one sort of shining light, scored 20 odd goals. And the second year we got promoted. He didn't play as much in that season. Um, and then he left on a free, I think his contract was up, went to QPR, and he never really captured that he, that he had those tears he had were probably the best of his career and he was on his day one of those players incredible he scored a goal against the Rovers in the, the last time we played each other actually absolute thunderbolt like 30 yards left foot but his penalty technique was to walk as slow as possible really really slow and then just basically calmly side foot it in the in the corner of the net and he's every time he's one of those if you miss you look like an absolute Wanker, basically, but he never missed. He just walked up really slowly and tapped it in the corner. And there's one um, he played. I remember him playing for Charlton. This is where, where I saw. I think it was Lyle Taylor, possibly. Mm. 
who did a similar sort of thing, just yeah, you know, so I just walk up and then it picked his spot and that was it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 It took so long to walk up to it. You kind of unnerved the goalkeeper. And if you're, again, if you, to keep a picks the right way, you know, he's got a chance of saving it, but, yeah. but he never, yeah, he never missed for us. Yeah. That's it. Right. So that's three down, two to go. And right. Next one. Um, Seven. Okay. Right. What do you class as the perfect hat trick? Is it, Three of the same thing or left foot, right foot header? I would say left foot, right foot header. I think um, I remember seeing Leroy Lisa when he played for us away at Torquay. He scored a perfect hat trick when he was first breaking into our first team. And it was, um, I think it was after, not long into the new year. And it was ridiculously, have you ever been to Torquay? Uh, only on holiday, not to. Yeah, I'm not, not to plane. No, 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 no. no. Um, obviously, it's quite close to the coast, and it was a really foggy day, and you could barely see the the pitch. But he scored the like a perfect hat trick. I can't remember many of our I can't remember many of our players scoring hat tricks at all. Let alone perfect <laughs> yeah. ones. But he scored a perfect one that day. So that would be why uh, I class that as a perfect hat trick. No, fair enough. I'm with you on that one. To be fair. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, last block of ten then. So you've had your birth here. What do you oh, want to like, off with? Did I do two sevens? I did, yes. didn't I? I'm not, yeah, 1978. I'll go for an eight. So it should be ah, okay. an eight. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't think it was going that bad that you forget what year you were born. Oh, uh, well, you know, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, right. So what is the best or the favourite chant that you've ever heard? Can be a Bristol City one or anybody else. Okay. Well, we've got... Um... Well, I was just trying to think. So we've got uh, a song. We used to, well, we didn't chat that much these days, but we used to, you know, the Spandau Ballet song, uh, Gold. Yeah. We would sing, instead of You Are Gold, we sing Fascia's Gold. Uh, okay. As in the cider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, this is when this, yeah, I think, obviously it's quite widespread now, but it came out down our neck of the woods um, a bit earlier. So it was more of a, and yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, some good chance that we had. Well, well, we used to sing. Um, I know you're a big Oasis man. Yes. When we had uh, Martin Cool playing for us, what they be sing a song, and it was uh, and all the runs that Junior makes uh, windings. We used to have a player called Junior Bennett who played on the wing, and all the I can't remember what the next bit was. And then it was, there are many things I like to say to you, but I don't know how. And then maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. And after all, you're my Martin call. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Yeah. It does work. Yeah. 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 Eva's crap, though. <laughs> <That was laughs> problem. We didn't sing it very often. But, um, so he's got a great chant, though. So we'll go with that one. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So that's those five wound up. Um, what I'm going to do now is just have a little quick break to mm-hmm. let the listeners know about uh, Luke Williamson Art and the Football for Rose 21 quiz book. Luke Williamson Art is a family-run business producing digital art prints of iconic and famous football grounds from yesteryear, running since 2017. Also, by entering the code PROJFOOT10, that's P-R-O-J-F-O-O-T-1-0 at the checkout. You'll get 10% off any artwork purchased. 
There's been a few technical issues recently with the code, but if you try it and it doesn't work, contact Luke and he should be able to sort it out for you. And also, if you're looking for a football quiz book with over 700 questions, as well as chapters on football in lockdown and the diary of a memorabilia collector, look no further than Football for Brains 21 by Stephen End. A donation from the sale of each book goes towards the Scores Project and Head for Change charities. And back to the show. On to the next bit for you is uh, four for you. Mm-hmm. So I asked you to pick five matches that you could have experienced from any player's point of view that, that was part of that game. Um, they could be all City. They could be all non-City for, you know, what yeah. I know. So um, you want to rattle off your first one? Yeah. So the first one I've gone for is uh, Joe Bryan. Um who's now, where is he now? He think he's from Nice now. He was at Fulham. He came through the ranks at City and he had a knack of scoring big goals. So he scored first goal against Man United in the game we beat them. Uh, scored quite a big goal against Swindon, which was like near our, near the end of our promotion season in uh, 2014. Uh, but the first goal he scored was, I mentioned earlier, last time we played the Rovers, Bristol Rovers, to give them their full title, <laughs> was in the Johnson's Paint Trophy sort of first round game um in i think 2013 and it was um it was the first time we played each other for we haven't played each other in a league for over 20 years now we played each other in the cup a couple of times um and we jay man and thomas scored an absolute screamer um and then they equalized and it was pretty nip and tuck and they were they, this is the year that rovers actually got relegated to the conference this season <laughs> so they were in league two and we were in league one so really you know, we should have had a better team than them. Um, and uh, Joe Bryan scored the winner in that game. And it was probably one of the first goals he scored for the club and like one of those sort of breakthrough moments. Yeah. Um, he sort of cuts inside on his right foot and he's a predominantly left-footed player and sort of side foots it into the top court and everybody goes, fucking ape shit. <laughs> so, even though as you would. Yeah, as you would do, yeah. Yeah, and I... I actually wasn't there. I was in the. I was watching it at the pub with uh, quite a few of my mates who were Rovers fans. I, I approached it in the way like we should win, yeah. So I wasn't going to overdo it if we win, you know, because yeah. they were in the league below us. They were crap. We were pretty crap, but not as crap as them. We went a goal up. I was like, you know, fair enough, lads. Like we're we're better than you guys, and uh, you know. And when he equalised, I was getting a bit twitchy. And then when he scored that winner, I was off, the, off, off my seat in the pub, giving it like, giving it the big one. Um, but no, that would have been amazing, especially he's a Bristolian lad as well. So to make his sort of big breakthrough moment, scoring the winning goal in a Bristol derby. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Can't do better than that, can you? So, no, right. no. Goes past O'Toole. Daniel Thomas still has it. Oh, it could be a chance for Bulldog. It's Brian. Oh, it's a goal. Bristol born, Bristol bred, has the goal that could decide the Bristol derby. Uh, second game? Um, second one is, um, so uh, we got the playoff final against Hull in 2008. Um, the game before the playoff final, we had Palace, uh, second leg at Ashton Gate. Um, we won the first leg 2-1 at Palace, uh, then they scored to make it, um, they were winning 1-0 in the home leg. 
So the game went to extra time um, and it was pretty twitchy, nervy, jittery. They missed a penalty in normal time, which they'd have scored that and knocked us out and got through to the final. Um, and it gets to about 10 minutes into extra time. And Lee Trundle, who um, we'd signed that season, he was our record signing at the time. And he's one of those guys, when we signed him, he was like, he was a, one of those sort of lower league maverick players when he leads Toronto. He'd always be on Soccer AM, showing the bits of skill and yeah. the goals he scored. And we signed him when we got promoted to the championship. So here is first season with us, probably the highest level he played at. And he was in and out all season. Like Gary Johnson was a manager then. He favoured the more sort of workman-like players. Um, and he only scored about five or six goals all season. But near the end of the season, he got back in the team. And then the goal he scored uh, to make it one all in in, uh, in that game and put us back ahead. Um, yeah, it's a quality goal. It's a typical sort of trundle goal. He just brings the ball down outside the box, left footed, just bends it, sort of caresses it into the into the corner. I remember I was there at that game as well. And that, that moment, the whole kind of, it was that mixture of relief and sort of ecstasy at the same time. And the, again, the place goes absolutely bonkers. So, so you, you can't beat you know, an extra time late winner, can you like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And we went on, we got another goal actually to make it. So we won that game 2 1 as well in the end. Um, and that was sorry, famous. So it was comfortable end. in the end. Yeah, oh, it was easy in the end. Yeah, that yeah. was famous, <laughs> quite famous at the end. Neil Warlock says that he was, as he was coming off, somebody belted him in the head on the, on the way off on the pitch. So, yeah, yeah. Fair play to him. Yeah, um, yeah. Pass it back in to Trundle. It's in. And City are back in front through Lee Trundle. And could be, that be the goal that takes them to Wembley? Right, so two down. Uh, match number three? Well, match number three kind of follows on from, from this game. It's obviously in the playoff final. We got a hole um, and lost, you know, to that famous wind-ass goal. And this might upset a few people that are... You know, City fans listen to this, but I'd have actually loved to have been Dean Windass in that in that moment, being okay. the hometown hero, scoring the goal. I mean, what a goal! It was a ridiculous fucking goal as well to yeah. win your hometown team promotion to the Premier League for the first time. I think it was the first time they ever in the Premier League. I'm not sure if they'd ever been in the first division before. Um, yeah, I couldn't imagine, you know, what a feeling that must have been for him to be scoring that goal to take your hometown club into the Premier League for the first time. And it being an incredible goal as well at Wembley. Yeah. Um, that must have been an amazing feeling. Didn't feel so good in the so, stand. Not from your side of things, no. Not from my side of things. I was very drunk, man, so... <laughs> Right. At least you can remember it, or have you just seen it on YouTube back a few times? Oh, no, yeah. I remember it. It's one of those games. We 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 got a terrible record in playoffs in general. When we get to the final, we we lose. Um, but it was one of those days where the whole day was great. We got there quite early, drinking, went to the pub. Obviously, at Wembley, you normally get like certain pubs designated to each club. So we were outside, barbecue, all sorts. I remember. Thinking at one point, like if we win this game, this is this is pre kids and marriage and that sort of thing. I was thinking, like, I'm not sure I'm going to make it back to Bristol in the next sort of two or three weeks. I might end up staying in London <laughs> to celebrate because things. It was such a great day, and everybody was really enjoying it. And you think, oh, this is this is going this is going too well. It's going to end. It's 
going to end the disappointment. That natural pessimist that a lot of us have got in us yep. regarding football. Yeah, you kind of think it'd be too it'd be too perfect if you won this game, and that's how it turned out. So yeah, nothing's ever that straightforward, is it? Of course not. No, no. Windass to his right, Campbell to his left. City's top scorer, Fraser Campbell. A slip by Lewis Carey. Windass. Quite simply, destined to be from Dean Windass. A clinical volley, a vital step forward, and who knows, maybe that's the moment from the hometown boy. An ultimate match then. What's your, what's your fourth choice? So this is going back into the the fairly dark ages. So in 1985, no, I think, or maybe in 86, we got to the... Um, it was the year we won the, it was the Freight Rover trophy at this point, one of our many uh, victories in that tournament. We're like the Real Madrid of the of the Johnson's Paint slash Freight Rover slash Leyland Daff. We won that, we won that multiple times. <laughs> um, but we uh, we got this, the sort of area final, as it used to be, which was like the semi-final really, but obviously you'd have someone from the north, someone from the south playing in the final. So yeah. the area semi-final, uh, we had Hereford, the you know a giant team and we lost uh two nil away first leg second leg was at our place um half time was nil nil we're thinking oh we've we fucked this basically we'd never been to Wembley before um and we ended up uh getting two goals back went to extra time in the last minute of extra time Steve Neville uh who was like a little striker we had um signed him from Exeter he was uh one of those Back in those days in the eighties, if you had like a skillful player, especially playing at that level, he just kind of stood out because there wasn't many people in sort of the the old third and fourth division were generally made up of cloggers and journeymen. Yeah. So he was like quite a skillful small player, and he gets through. It's like a quagmire of a pitch as well, and he kind of gets slipped in, and you hear the whole ground goes silent as he sort of takes a touch, and he takes a touch and almost as a little dummy, waits for the keeper to commit himself and then just rolls it into the net. And then you see everybody fucking pitch fills up with hands. <laughs> like, and, um, and then we went to Wembley and won the, won the trial. And that was only Terry Cooper was our manager at that point. And there's a video after the Wembley win where he's, um, they interview him and he's like, um, can you sort of sum it up? They, they ask him and he, he starts off trying to talk about it and then he just breaks into tears because yeah. he was um when we went bankrupt in 82 he took over uh just after that happened and we literally had nothing it was a team of youth team players um we actually got rebranded it's like our badge used to be bcfc 1982 on it from the you know um and then he took over as i think his he was player manager at Rovers before he took over at us. Uh, he got the sack there and let come into us. Um, and then he was player manager to start off with. And then he sort of cobbled a squad together. Um, Cause we famously went from, we were in the, I think we were the first team to do it. I think Wolves might've done it after us actually to get relegated three years on the bank. So we were in the first division, got relegated to the championship, relegated to league one and relegated to, League two in consecutive years. Yeah. 
which is why we went bankrupt because we we were again we're going I'm going long off into the into, into the reeds <laughs> now. So we were one of the first players to lose a we were one of the first teams to lose a player through freedom of contract. One of our guys okay. when we were in the first division went off to play in America. I think called Gary Collier. So we our response to that was right. We'll sign everybody up on four or five year deals on first division money. So by the time we got relegated all those consecutive years, we had guys in that squad still that were on first division wages. But playing in the fourth division. But playing in the fourth division, yeah. So there's a, I'm not sure if you heard about the a, a, a group called the uh, Ashton Gate 8, who basically, um, the club were at, at the end, basically. There was, you know, they were losing money, like thousands and thousands of pounds every week. And these eight guys that were still on the contracts from the first division, they basically tore their contracts up and said, you know, we'll forego. I mean, think they got a lot of, there was a lot of pressure put on them at the time. So they were getting like death threats and stuff like that. Because, yeah, the club was, was going to go to the wall. Um, and they gave their contracts up, basically, so the club could go on and sort of survive after them. And they all kind of walked away and, and forego that money. Um and if that wouldn't have happened, there probably wouldn't be a, a Bristol City today. Um, yes, wouldn't be a talking now. No, but that, that's, that was the thing. So when Terry Cooper has been interviewed, he'd taken the club from the fourth division. We got promoted. And at this point, we were in the third division, which is the old, like the current League One. So the, the prospect when he took over of us going to Wembley, winning the trophy um, in front of like 50,000, 60,000 people when we were playing in front of like 3,000 Ashton Gates or three years earlier, he was yeah completely in bits and i think he was like a manager and a director as well at the time he put money in himself to keep the club going um and he, he passed hats. away yeah he passed away um last year so i think the first came back after the pandemic when fans could come back in they did like a minute silence for terry cooper and everybody was like either in tears or up giving them a standard ovation so he was a he was a great bloke so is that the same Terry Cooper who used to manage Birmingham as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think he was played for Leeds, played for England as well. Uh, but he did the rounds to a lot of lower league teams and, yeah, top bloke. Right. Your last one then. Mm-hmm. So the last one was, um, so when we beat Liverpool in the FA Cup, Everybody thinks back to the uh, the famous Tinian goal at Anfield, which won us the won us the tie. But I'm going to go back to the first game. We we, up, we played three games against Liverpool in the end. <clears throat> the first one was um, abandoned due to floodlight failure. Okay. Um, and then the second one, they had to replay it again. It, it was quite. It was one of those things. They're like, it will replay it, and we'll re- they replayed it like three days later. <laughs> <laughs> and I order tickets. I like order tickets. If you've got tickets, if you still get your ticket from the game on Saturday, you can get in again. <laughs> I mean, this was like the early nineties, so football was slightly different then. Just a little <clears> bit. But the first game, Ashton Gate, um, that Liverpool team, they were that was a pretty ropey Liverpool team, but they still had people like Rush, Barnes, Mulby, you know, sort of coming to the end. Steve Nicholl, Fowler was there, Young and uh, McManaman and uh, Jamie Redknapp. Yeah, so we're all just coming through, like. Yeah, so we were a bit ungrubble. I was in goal. Um, 
so we were all we were kind of a bit sort of in awe of them when they came down to our place to play and he went a goal up quite early rush scored but then I think midway through the second half we equalised it was Wayne Allison scored the uh, the equaliser and it was right in front of our fans in like the terrace behind the goal and it was one of those it was a like a cross whipped in from the left hand side and he came sort of storming in just a bullet header into the fucking net and again the old place goes absolutely mad. I think there's people on the pitch after that goal as well. <laughs> it was one of those moments. It was like, actually, before that, it was like, we're playing an FA Cup game against a team full of legends. But when that happened, it was like, actually, we might be just be Bristol City, but we can we can do these guys, uh, which we eventually did, you know, a couple of weeks later, we're beating them at Anfield. But that first sort of laying a glove on them for the first time. And it was like, yeah, they're not actually, they might be, you know, I think Neil Ruddock was playing for it. it might be Neil Ruddock and uh, Julian Dix and that, but actually we could uh, we could do these guys. That's the thing, and it would seem like that you think you know, put it in sort of boxing terms. Yeah, you, know, you find out that they've got a bit of a weak chin. It's like actually, mm. we land a couple of more punches. You never know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look again. We uh, we they, they replayed the so the game got abandoned when it was one all, and then the the uh, rearranged game finished one all Ashton, and then we went up there and beat them. Um, up at Anfield when Sooners got the sack the next day I think so so we did him a favour really yeah. yeah we did him a favour really yeah yeah so, so. that has wound up your uh, your matches for four for you so all we've got left to do now is go through your 11 for Trippier through time um, mm-hmm. again for anyone who's new to this uh, Andy's picked his best stroke favourite Bristol City 11 uh, and manager but only from players from the 60s to now, with a limit of two players per decade. So, how did you find it? <laughs> well, see, I, I tried to limit it to players that I'd seen, but then I worked out that I've only seen players in the 80s, 90s, uh, 2000. Oh, I could have done that, actually. I could have done that. No, that, I left me, that left me one short, I think. Yeah, you'd have had 10. So you'd have had yeah, to go it left from... me one short, yeah. yeah. So I didn't do that in the end. Um, but I've, yeah, it, it was difficult. It's, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, got, it's great. I haven't had to do it yet. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of players who sort of cross over decades. Who played yeah. in both, but I'm going to specify which decade they played in, just so you can keep track, Mark. Because I know you're uh, quite particular about this. <laughs> I, I am now. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what formation have you gone with first off? So I've gone with a three-five-two. Okay. Just to uh, liven things up a little bit. Yeah. So, so um, the majority of people who have gone for this so far have gone 4 4 2, and that's been it. There's been a couple of variations, think, but yeah, we've not had many good right backs. So we've got we've got loads of good left backs, not many good right backs. It's gone with a right winger instead of a right back. So, yeah. fair shout. So, um, <laughs> yeah, who's in the sticks then? Well, so I've gone for um, probably my favorite city goalkeeper was Adriano Basso. He was, um, Brazilian, Brazilian, yeah, Brazilian in golf. We signed him from Woking, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. no, we, no, right, us West Brom fans, we don't talk about Woking. No, oh, uh, I have some bad memories in the uh, yeah, yeah. Tim, Timbers Aglo hat trick in the FA Cup oh, in the yeah, early 90s. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, anyway, thanks for that, Andy. Yeah, I don't know how he ended up at Woking being a, being a Brazilian. Um, but yeah, we signed him, uh, I think it was the year. Yeah, before we got promoted, I think it's only like sort of 2006. Um, and then he was the goalkeeper for our promotion season. And then that season where we got to the playoff final, 
but he was a he was a really devout Christian, which is kind of unusual in football, isn't it? And he was slightly bonkers as well. Yeah, which is so, not, not so unusual. <laughs> no, especially for goalkeepers as well. But he had always had this thing of uh, always believe. That was what he would say, and he, he'd always be doing the kind of thing before the, and that became a bit of a slogan for the next for those sort of successful years. Was like was always believe. Um, and going back to that Palace game when uh, we were one 0 down in that uh, semi final, and they got a penalty. If they had scored that penalty, then they would have gone through. And we kind of everybody at that point, everybody's thinking like, <laughs> we've got a devout Christian in goal. Like if ever, ever we need like a bit of help from uh, a bit of divine intervention. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it was Ben Watson took the penalty and he hit the post. It was like maybe he's onto maybe he's onto something. This this always believe stuff. I was going to say, at least uh, with him being a Christian, you know he's great with crosses. There we are. There we are. That was uh, good. <laughs> he was, uh, that's my shit joke for the episode. <laughs> I think he left to go to, he ended up going because um, I think his agent had got into his ear about potentially getting a move to a bigger club to play for Brazil in the World Cup, which surprisingly enough didn't happen. I think he went to, I think he went, I think he actually went to Wolves in the end, but didn't really play much. Um, but he was, yeah, one of those odds. When we signed him, we signed a goalkeeper from non-league, but he's Brazilian. And he went off injured quite a lot as well, which is quite unusual for a goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> and his fingers were like, he had like crooked fingers. So he was a character, definitely. So, um, what decade was he? Was he noughties, was he? He was noughties, yeah. Noughties, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Right, so you're back three. So I've gone for Adam Webster from the 2010s. Obviously, you know, he's probably one of the best footballing centre-halves in the, in the Premier League. We only had him for a season. I think we paid three million for him and sold him for 20, 12 months later. Sorry, um, isn't it not a bit of profit for you? Yeah, but you can tell when somebody... Oh, we had a bit of a reputation when he signed it. He was a good footballing defender. Um, and I think we signed... I think he played that season. He played alongside Thomas Callas and Nathan Baker... And we signed Callas permanently. And I think Baker might have been on loan. I think we might have signed him permanently. And once Webster left, we realised actually that Callas isn't very good and Baker's not very good because <laughs> Webster was making them look... Uh, and yeah, he's one of those guys, he could just pick the ball up at the back and easily sort of bring it forward. And um, But yeah, he was, he was too good for us. Uh, but yeah, he was great. Great to watch for one year. Yeah, absolutely. It's better than not at all, isn't it? Yeah, that money we got for him, we blew on a load of old rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. Who's joining him at the back then? So I've got Sean Taylor in centre half. So Sean Taylor was uh, from the 90s for us. I always ridicule Sean Taylor. If people don't know who he is, he's paper Swindon. Big, proper, old school, physical centre half. But when he paid for Swindon, he set the piss out of him because he used to wear like a gum shield as well. He's like a, he looks probably. In his mid fifties, like in his early twenties, but he was one of those real, you know, thuggish. But he he, he had anything. He scored yeah. goals. He was brilliant attacking crosses as well. He scored like five or six goals a season. But um, and we ended up signing him. He's one of those guys which, when he plays for your local rival, you think, oh, he's fucking my careers. And when he signs for you, actually, you think, I oh, see, <laughs> he's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Because he would stand in front of. I never known anyone get 
the ball in the bollocks so often. I just wouldn't wouldn't flinch. Yeah, it's just yeah, just just hearing that. It, it's you know, I'm, I'm sure most blokes would be like, yeah, don't talk about. Yeah, that. no, but he was a proper, and he was yeah, he was a, a really good defender, and we uh, we only had him for a couple of years because he was coming to the end when when we signed him. But he was one of those guys. You think when we signed him, it was like, why are we signing this old bloke for? And actually, when you watch him play, think, just enjoy. Why. Yeah, yeah, enjoy whatever years we're going to get out of him because he's quality. So yeah, right. That's two eighty three centre offs. Yep. Uh, the next one is um, one of my childhood favourite players, which is David Moyes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So he was aces for us. Um, he was uh, he's with us for sort of two or three years. I remember him as a kid. He stood out because he had a a shock. I mean, he's always been pale. He was when he so when he when I was a kid, he was like a a ghost. Basically, he's the archetypal. If you had to, you know, do a stereotypical picture of a Scotsman. <laughs> he was like uh, as white as a sheet with like a shock of ginger hair. Um, and he signed for us that year we got to the uh, final at Wembley yeah. and won. He played in that game. He played in that season. And he was, he was, he was just quality. He was, again, he scored probably four or five goals. Was, was great. And um, it's a famous picture from when we won that game at uh, Wembley against Bolton. Um, Somebody's got in the crowd a sign that says, "On the eighth day, God created David Moyes." <laughs> so, and he was—I I told on the on the show a few times. Um, well, I went to a reunion do for that Wembley win, um, maybe about 10, 10, 15 years ago, and he was there, Moisey, when he was managing Everton, and um, he got up in, you know, said a few words and stuff, and it was a bit of a Q and A thing, and. There was rumours that he was linked to becoming our manager at one point. When his manager impressed before he went to Everton, okay, uh, we were in talks with him. Um, uh, it was the year we got um, we got relegated from the Championship back to League One. I think Preston were in League One as well, and we ended up. Um, he said that he'd spoken to the chairman and didn't really want to leave Preston, but he'd agreed to come back and manage us. And he was in a hotel room waiting for a phone call, basically, to say, you know, the deal's done and on your way. Um, and then we had like, I think we had like two or three different people on the board. And one of the other board members had gone ahead and um, made Tony Pulis manager. Tony oh. Pulis. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he's ex-Rovers as well. So it didn't really go down well with our fan base. No. So Moise is sat in a hotel room waiting for a phone call. He gets a phone call saying, actually, we've uh, we've changed our minds. We're going to make uh, Tony Pulis manager. And it never happened. Um, and we got Pulis and he got dogs abuse. My old man, I remember that my old man went, we used to have like, you'd have open days for the start of the season. We could sort of meet the players and meet the manager. And uh, there was like a sort of, you know, you could sort of go down the line and shake, you know, meet the players. And yeah, and my old man wouldn't shake uh, Pulis's hand. Because he was ex-Rovers, yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. And to be fair, the football he played, even then, the football he played was fucking atrocious. Things, imagine that and, these days, you're there waiting to get a, a, a phone call for yeah. a new job. And it's like, oh, by the way, someone else has got it. Yeah, we're giving it to somebody else. You yeah. mind telling me who? Um, you don't want to know. No, no, tell no. me. It was purely, yeah. oh, fuck this. Yeah. yeah and the fans were like, yeah, up in arms because everybody wanted David Moyes, you know. Uh, and I think about Three or four months later, he ended up being Everton manager. So, could have been different. One of those sliding doors moments. So, yeah. 
right. <coughs> wingers. He was eighties, yeah. So yeah, wingers, I've got um Scott Murray on the right hand side. I mean, he's a city legend. So he was he was nineties and two thousand. That's why I'm gonna stick him in nineties. He was late nineties yeah. inside for us. Um yeah, I mean he uh I think he's I mean, he's still at the club now. He, he he signed from Villa and had um, two or three years sort of in and out of the team. And then um, in one of our sort of League One years, something clicked and he scored 20, 24 goals, I think, from the right-hand side of midfield. And he ended up losing him to Reading end of the season. Um, but he was incredible. And he went to Reading and he was only at Reading for half a, well, three quarters of a season at Reading and he came back to us on loan before the end of that season from Reading because he was just homesick and he stayed with us then okay. for another five or six years and now he's the kit man. Really? Let's see. So yeah, and he's oh. always there at match days and he actually, my old man died in um, 2020, just before the pandemic, or no, literally in the pandemic, it wasn't COVID, but, um, and uh I've sort of got a few contacts with a few sort of ex-City players, but he got in touch with me and phoned me up and said, um, you know, I appreciate what you're going through. I think his, his old man died a few years earlier, like when he was on holiday abroad and had to come back. And he was he was amazing. He was like, you want to sort you out a shirt and stuff for the coffee and that sort of thing. And so we've got, we've got, a, we've got a pretty good club. The rest of yeah. There's still like a good sort of community a lot of the ex-old players are all still kind of involved in, but stuff like that, it just kind of, it just makes a difference, doesn't it? And he's he's just an absolute legend, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. going to say, little things like that can mean a hell of a lot to, yeah. to, to anyone, yeah. can't it? So, yeah, yeah. Um, it was on the opposite so, side. So on the opposite side is Alan Walsh. So Alan Walsh, um, he was aces. He... One of the first players I remember when I started going, he played on the left-hand side and had like the hardest shot you'll ever see. Um, he used to take free kicks and they would go through the wall and the keeper would get something on them and it would go like through the keeper and trickle into the net. We had him, I think it was Terry Cooper got him from Darlington. And again, we didn't have any money at the time. And I think we... This is back in those days, if the two teams couldn't agree a fee and the player wanted to move... He used to go to like tribunal. Tribunal, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Once he would offer like five hundred quid and the other team would want, oh, we want like, you know, twenty grand. Yeah. And they just come down in the middle somewhere. So we got him for like something like five grand, I think. Um and he came from Darlington and he was just, yeah, it was amazing. He was quite tall, played on the left hand side. He was again these days he'd probably be more of a sort of left hand side of a front three kind of he didn't do any defending, basically. No. He used to have a thing that he used to call it the, the Walshy Shuffle, he used to do. So he'd sort of stand up the defender, do a little little shuffle, work onto the left-hand side, and then just fucking lever it into the, uh, into the net. Um, again, I've mentioned this on the show a few times. He's uh, he's Kelsey Grammer's father-in-law. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So his, his daughter got married to um, to Frasier. Yeah. No way. Yeah. The things you learn uh, on this show. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, um, middle of the park then. Who's your three in the middle? Okay, so I've gone. First one is uh, first guy from the seventies who I never saw play, but he was, you know, one of my old favorite players was uh, Jerry Gary. So he was part of our uh, promotion team in um, seventy six. We got promoted to the 
the old first division, so the Premier League now. And he was a big, big part of that team. Um, quite an attacking, rugged, tough tackling Scottish midfielder, nice perm moustache. <laughs> um, he went on to play for Man City. I think he played for Man City in uh, that FA Cup final. They lost to Spurs. You had a Ricky Villa yes. uh, Cup final. I think he was playing for Man City then. Um, but yeah, he was one of those guys. Um, it would do the song used to be "He's Here, He's There, He's Every Fucking Where." Jerry Gary. That was the uh, that was the song. Yeah, he was. Yeah, um, but I know. Obviously, I never got to see him play because he was before my time. But he's one of those guys. Like you mentioned, Jerry Gary. Like, you hear the stories, like yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Um, right, so you got two more centimeters by my reckon. Yeah. So uh, Corey Smith. I'm going to stick him into the the twenties, twenty twenties, because I think he left us in like late 2020. His best time for us was in the 2010s, but just for logistics sake, I'm going to stick yeah. him in the uh, in the 2020 <laughs> bracket. So I mean, he's probably most famously remembered for scoring the goal against Man United, the the last minute winner in the in the cup game. But we signed him. Steve Cottrell signed him the year we got promoted in uh, 2015. The um, or 2014 actually the sort of double winning team we won the we won league one and won the the real double league one in the Johnson Paint <laughs> trophy that's the that's a real double and we got like 99 the, the people's or, double the people's double yeah um but I think the year before he was old he was the captain I think Lee Johnson was manager of older at that point and um we pinched him off them uh he was just the perfect kind of midfielder for a lower league good on the ball, could tackle, get up and down. He scored the occasional goal. Um, wouldn't He barely missed the game, like, all season. Um, and then when we got that Man United game, you always think, like, it, I talked about that Liverpool game earlier, Brian Tinian scored the winning goal there, and Tinian went on to be, like, a City legend. His name has always been, you know, kind of recognised with, um, with Bristol City. And it's nice when people who score these iconic goals for your club are actually, like fucking iconic players as well, you yeah. know, like, so Corey Smith getting that goal against Man United, he's always remembered for that. It's a big, and like the concourse of our stadium is a big mural, basically celebrating that moment with Corey Smith there and that's going to be there forever. Like, it'll never be forgotten that moment for Corey Smith, but he was actually a really fucking good player as well. So, Absolutely. and a, a top bloke, top bloke. I guess it seems to be a running theme of your team, doesn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, not good blokes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, final of the sentiments. So uh, Marvin Elliott, we he's uh, 2000s, the, um, the year we got to the playoff final against Hull. We signed him that season. I think he, we signed him from Millwall uh, for um, a couple of hundred grand, something like that. And he, I think he, he remember Millwall got to the cup final? He lost to Man United. Yes, yes they I think did, he played I? He played right back randomly in that match. Um, he was only a kid then, but uh, we signed him play centre midfield and uh, that whole season he was absolutely he was like the driving force behind the team we massively overachieved I think that I think you guys went up that season that's when you had Mowbray as manager yes I think you might have won the league actually yeah. Stoke finished Stoke finished second and the Pulis I think you guys finished top and then um, obviously Hull went up um, but he was a big athletic um, tough tackling passable could head it could score 25 yards screamers that he had one season where he was absolutely immense like fucking godlike and carried the team almost 
And then after that, he kind of got a lot of injuries, never really created that, uh, recreated that impact he had in that one season. Yeah. But that one season alone, he was as good as I've seen a City player at, you know, at the highest level I've seen City play. He looked like he could be, when we, when we, like that season, people said, like, he's destined to go on and be, like, used to get compared to Patrick Vieira. Okay, um, not a bad comparison at the time. No, 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 no. And he was only like 21, 22 at the time as well. He was like, this guy's going to be, but it just with injuries, it just didn't, didn't work out. And he had chronic knee injuries going on. He was with us for another five or six years, but he never, ever recreated that season, which is a shame. Yeah. Right, so strikers, and yeah. Yep. Right. And why so, is one of them Bob Taylor? He's not, unfortunately. Oh, I've, no. I've run out of, I've run out of 80s. He could have been, he could have been, <laughs> been 80s or 90s, but I've run out. So, I've gone for uh, I've gone for Bobby Reed, Bobby De Cordova Reed as he's called now. Um, yeah, he had a, he's a guy come through the city youth ranks was like an attacking midfield player, and Lee Johnson suddenly decided to play him up front in the preseason friendly. They did all right, and then he scored twenty goals. Um, that was a year we beat Man United at the game with Man City, and he went on and I think he signed for fucking Cardiff, which didn't really endear him yeah. to our fans after that. At Fulham now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, but that one year again, he was. At that level, he was he was great, and yeah, yeah so you get so, players like that, sort of too good for championship, not quite good enough for prem, like the Dwight yeah. Gale, for example. Oh, yeah, it's a perfect example, the yeah. Dwight Gale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, who partner was uh, the the other Bob? Uh, so uh, a guy called Paul Cheesley. So he was um, yeah, we got promoted to the the first division. Um, he was our main striker. Uh, first game up into the First division, like the Premier League now. We had Arsenal away first game of the season. Um, and they made a lot of big signings. They signed Michael McDonald and a few. They're like talked up as being one of the sort of pre-season title favourites. And we promoted team first game of the season, Anfield away, uh, uh, um, Highbury away. And we won 1-0. And he scored the goal. And I think he got like 20 goals the season before. And he was being talked of as being like a potential England player. Okay. Similar to the time, I think it was like him and Paul Marin over like, coming through at the same time nice. um, first game away at Arsenal scored the winning goal I think it was like the main game on, ma- on match of the day that night as well and we got a lovely iconic white and black kit as well from that game and then next home game he got injured the collision with Peter Shilton and barely played another game oh, bloody hell after his career was done almost so he had one game in the Premier League in the, in the first division and then an injury just finished him Again, so, you don't know how it could have been, do you? If it had not no. been injured and that's the thing, yeah. England call ups, who knows? Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. So, right, the last piece of this particular puzzle then is a gaffer. Okay, well, probably my favorite city manager was Joe Jordan because I, I, again, he came to us as a player first, right at the end of his career, and was like immense. And then when Terry Cooper left, he took over as player manager for a bit got us to the league cup semi-final against forest which we almost won and then got promoted the year after and then he got headhunted to go to hearts and there was talk of him getting a scotland job long after that but it never really happened he came back a few years later another very unsuccessful run yeah but he was one of those guys like again i've seen i saw him quite recently actually he doesn't he hasn't changed he still looks like he could fucking rip you apart <laughs> if, if the need be but uh, yeah, an absolute sort of icon of City in that time period. And yeah, see that Evans, my manager. Ah, fair shout. Um, 
Who's your captain for this lot? Well, oh, it's got to be Sean Taylor, I think. Yeah, yeah. A swift kick in the balls and yeah. he wouldn't even <laughs> flinch. Yeah, yeah. Setting the example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's your, your team done and dusted for that. And that, unfortunately, has brought an end to proceedings. So what's left for me to say is Andy from Bang Bang Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, look forward you, to catching up with you soon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Mark. Cool. Right. I'll catch you later, Andy. Poem for this episode, uh, I've called it Close But Not Close Enough, the 2008 playoff final. Here it is. After the end of the normal season, it was West Brom and Stoke on top, taking automatic promotion, leaving the following four teams in the playoffs. Third was the Tigers from the city of Hull, behind them by a point, the Robins from Bristol. Fifth, the Eagles, take it easy. Rounding off the group, Watford, the Hornets, searching for Wembley. Hall faced Watford and Palace played City. Over two legs, they were bound to be gritty. Hall saw off Watford six goals to one. Bristol progressed 4-2 after extra time in the second leg was done. And so, off to Wembley, go the cities of Bristol and Hull for a playoff final with the stadium full. On a May afternoon, Dean Windass broke Bristol hearts. Another season in the Championship and back to the start. Moving on now to the lifting the veil segment, uh, the story of my Port Vale save on Football Manager, uh, attempting to keep Port Vale in, in League One, um, ideally move them out of the division the right way. So, yeah, November, not the greatest of months, um, got matches in the league, the FA Cup and the Papa John's Trophy. So, started on uh, November the 2nd, at home to Shrewsbury, which we lost 2-0. Uh, there was a vast amount of bookings, and we lost on that count as well, thankfully. Um, yeah, Sheffield went, not Sheffield Wednesday, sorry, Shrewsbury. It's just, it says SHR, so I just, yeah, got that wrong. Um, scored on 47 and 67. Uh, they took all three points. Uh, after that, we were at home to Wrexham in the FA Cup. Um, lost that 4-1 it was 4-0 to Wrexham by 51 minutes uh, we got one back on 75 thanks to Ago so that was us crashing out of the FA Cup not great but you know, got more pressing matters to concentrate on with the league uh, into the Papa John's Trophy uh, at home to Bolton uh, they beat us 2-0 goals on 35 and 57 did the damage uh, we finally get a victory, and it was 1-0 at home to Cambridge, thanks to a 20th-minute penalty from uh, Kimpioka. So we got three points, which was, yeah, that's a, a rarity. Um, in fact, looking at the averages for the team, six out of the 11 uh, got a seven or above, which is also nice to see. Uh, after that, it was another 1-0 scoreline, but away at Morecambe. Um, we were on the wrong side of that. Uh, it was a 56-minute goal from Rawson. Saw them take the points, despite being down to 10 men after 33 minutes. Uh, another away game, 
this time was a trip to Adams Park. Um, we went down 4-1 to Wickham. Uh, they took the lead on eight minutes. Equalised on 17 through Proctor. Uh, then they just pulled away um, on 36 and 41, making it 3-1 at half-time. Uh, then they got their fourth on 55 minutes. And the game was beyond doubt before the second half had even started, to be fair. Uh, following that, we played Charlton at home. Again, another defeat. Um, they scored on 23 and 43 and in the first half stoppage time. And again, they put it beyond doubt fairly early on. Uh, last game of the month was against Plymouth. Uh, we went 2-1 down, uh, down at home park. Uh, they took the lead on 12 minutes. Proctor equalised for us on 38. And then 48, they got what turned out to be the winner. Um, so, yeah, we travelled back up to the Potteries with nothing to show for it. Hopefully, December will bear a bit more fruit, but you'll have to wait and see. Right, let's have a bit of five-tier champs then, shall we? Um, so, after the last episode, uh, we were looking at Tottenham being the uh, current Premier League title holders. Uh that changed in the North London derby on October the 1st when they lost 3-1 to Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal then went on to retain, uh, again scoring three and conceding two this time, but this was against Liverpool on the 9th, so they are currently in charge in the top flight. Uh, Sheffield United were previous title holders in the Championship. Uh, they ended up retaining against Birmingham 1-1 at home. But then they lost 1-0 to QPR, who then went on to retain, uh, beating Reading 2-1. Um, moving on to League One, uh, Barnsley were holders in that one. Uh, they beat Fleetwood on the 1st of October to carry on a what three four, a six-match uh, unbeaten run. Uh, but then, a week later, they ended up losing 2-0 um, to Exeter. So... It is the Grecians who are currently in charge in League One. Uh, League Two, still Mansfield. Um, since the last episode, they drew 2-2 with Hartlepool and beat Barrow uh, 1-0. And the conference, or um, National League, if you prefer, uh, it's still Scunthorpe. So Since they took over from Dorking Wanderers back on the 24th of September, um they are on a three-match draw streak by the looks of it. So on the 1st of October, 1-1 against Torquay. Then notched it up again, 2-2 against Oldham three days later. And now uh, the last match was a 3-3 draw against Aldershot. So what money on their next match being a 4-4? Who knows? We'll have to, uh, have to wait and see on that one. So, yeah, we've got Arsenal, QPR, Exeter... Uh, Mansfield and Scunthorpe at the moment are all currently the title holders in their respective divisions. Right, now we've got the uh, fantasy football segment, so the PFP FPL. Um, so two game weeks to cover in this one, plus uh, matches from the 
well, the, the League Cup competition, I suppose you call it. One that's got the group stages then knockout as opposed to just a normal straight knockout. Um, game week nine ended up with two out of the top three keeping their places. Um, on top were the superlatives. Uh, in second, Gangsters Allardyce with Sam Lambeth. And in third, it was Marcus Whitehead with Darkus 11. Um, Sam jumped up from fifth to take second place. So a uh, nice little increase of three positions there. Uh, moving on to game week. In fact, actually, right, let's, the bottom, uh, there's no change. Um, the podcast team is propping up the rest of the league. Um, Comeback Carlos, which is UTT Rob's team, uh, well, they were 14th after game week nine. Uh, my own team, Pain in the Glass, were 13th. All still in the 300s for points. Um, yeah, not looking too great, to be fair. Uh, game week 10, as you were for the top three. Uh, only a point in it this time, though, between the superlatives of Gangsters Allardyce. Um, then the gap back down to third is another, well, 22 points. So that could quite easily be made up in in one week or one player even. Um, also, moving up in the league, uh, we've got Six Times and Luigi Glombard. Um, to be fair, looking at the points, there's only four points between fourth and third and only uh, five points between fifth and fourth. Um, it's Yeah, it's nip and tuck, to be fair. Uh, again, bottom three is as you were. Um, podcast 15th, Comeback Carlos 14th, and Pain in the Glass uh, 13th. We're all in the 400s, while everybody else from 12th upwards is in the 500s. Um, like I say, at the top of the league, pushing close to the 600s. So... As for the cup competition, uh, game week nine was the second round of fixtures in Group A, uh, which saw LUFC take on Darkus 11, and that was uh, LUFC 76, Darkus 11, 94, giving them the second win of the group stage so far. Uh, the superlatives took on Luigi Glombard, and it was 82 to 101 in favour of Luigi Glombard. Uh, that saw them... Uh, get their uh, first win of uh, of this group stage. So that's putting them onto three points along with Darkest Eleven and Fantastival. Uh, moving on to Group B, which was from uh, game week 10. Uh, Paperboy FC, 46. Away Day Warriors, 43. Um, so that's all Paperboy FC pick up their first points of the competition. That uh, was their first game, uh, in all fairness. So, you know. Uh, then Gangsters Allardyce, 71. Pain in the Glass, yeah, not so great, 38. Um, so Gangsters Allardyce have now got three points on the board uh, after losing to the Away Day Warriors in the first round, or well, first round of fixtures, I should say, for the groups. Um, so going on for game week uh, 11, uh, that will be uh, the last, well, sorry, the last group. Group C, uh, the second round of fixtures uh, for that, which we'll see Comeback Carlos take on Project Football FC. So a good old-fashioned bottom of the table clash there. Uh, Reese's Pieces will be taking on the Bella Boys. Keep an ear out to, uh, to see how they get on. Right, 
Right, time now for play on words. Uh, for this episode, it was a match between football and the Rolling Stones. Um, here's a few that I came up with. Uh, one for uh, West Brom fans, which I'm pretty sure they'll appreciate. Tony Brown Sugar. Uh, that well-known classic, Painted Blackpool. Uh, Declan Tumbling Royce. And then my last one was a bit of an attempt at a double whammy. It's only Becks and Skulls, but I like it. Uh, Dean came up with a few, and he's got sympathy for the Devlin. Uh, Wild Horse Field, and goodbye Ruben Neves Tuesday. And we've got a voice message from uh, Rob and Dan from the UTT podcast. So here's their suggestions. Hi, this is Rob from the UTT podcast. I'm Dan. I'm here as well. Hello. And uh, Mark had asked for some mashups for the Rolling Stones and football. So it's yeah. bizarre. But two times in a row, he's asked for football mashups here. There's a, there's a pattern. Yeah. Almost, almost like someone gave him the idea for the segment, wasn't it? Yeah. Sorry about that, folks. Um, I'll go first with the with the obvious one, if you like, uh, Rob. Rolling John Stones. Nice, nice. I like that. I like that. Get get a good uh, Yorkshire footballer in there to start. <laughs> go on, then fire away. Oh, well, you can't always get what you want. <laughs> but you can paint it Blackburn Rovers. Well, yeah, you, you can indeed. Uh, I think some of these references are quite sweet, Down, They're almost uh, Wes Brown Sugar. Do you know I had Scott Brown Sugar? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this, is one of my, this is one of my bad ones before I get onto album titles. Um, Angie Postacoglin. Well, you've got a lot more than me because uh, I, I've got... Wayne Bridges to Babylon on the album uh, names. <laughs> I had Wayne Bridges to Verde Bremen, and I've got Michael Bridges to Buenos Aires. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any more, or shall I just rattle off my last three? Uh, well, I, I mentioned it to Mark on Twitter earlier because I didn't know if he'd missed it, and uh, I, I said, "Had we hit the Ronnie Woodwork and missed yeah, I saw that. Very, very like, very much like that. Now, I'm not big up on Rolling Stones. So I had to Google a lot of these. Uh, 1965, you've got the album Out of Our Headers. Uh, the 1967 album Between the Buffons, and the 1970 album uh, Get Your Yaya Tories Out. Oh, fantastic! Love those. Yeah, that's all I've got. I'm afraid. Yeah, well, you did better than me. But uh, this is normally what we talk about. We normally talk about wrestling. So if you, if you want to hear us talk about wrestling, you can check out the Unbooking the Territory podcast. Um, if not, don't. Yeah, and if you really like wrestling, check out Unbooking the Tankatory, where we talk about the hardest man that ever lived, Tank Abbott. But that is very niche, so we'll leave it to you. Uh, I haven't decided at the moment what the next mashup is going to be, uh, but keep an eye out across the socials. Um, so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and it will be on there in time for the next episode to come out. All right, so now we've got the new music bit with the top six. Uh, we've got tracks this episode from Roller, Northern Revelation, The Crofters, The Void, previous guests on the show, The Mariners, and Jay Tennant. So... I'll go through the tracks as normal with a little bit about the artist and uh, where you can find them and when the track's released. Our first track up is by Roller. Uh, it's called Ease My Mind. That was out back on the 7th of October. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at Roller2020, so R-O-L-L-A 
2020. Instagram at roller underscore band. Uh, fairly brief, but to the point bio on Spotify. Uh, it just says nothing less than everything. So here's a little bit of Ease My Mind by Roller. Next up is Northern Revelation with Spread Your Love. That was out on the 29th of September. Uh, on Twitter, they are Northern Reveller 2. So the word Northern, then R-E-V-E-L-A, and the number two. And uh, Instagram, they're just under Northern Revelation. Got a little bit of promo about the track. Uh, Spread Your Love is dedicated to the people who lost their lives at the Peterloo Massacre and all involved in the trade union movement. So here's a little bit of Spread Your Love by Northern Revelation. Track number three is by The Crofters, and it's called Wake Me Up. That was out on the 30th of September. Um, both handles for Twitter and Instagram are at crofters underscore the underscore. Um, nothing about them on Spotify, which sometimes better, really. Um, so, yeah, here's a little bit of Wake Me Up by The Crofters. The Void, uh, it's called Hear Me Calling. That was out on the 7th of October. Uh, same handles for Twitter and Instagram, uh, at The Void Official. Uh, void spelled V-O-Y-D. Um, I think the normal spelling is V-O-Y-D, just to save any confusion. A um, little bit about them. Uh, we've got off Spotify, it says, fast-paced melodic indie anthems with big sing-your-heart-out choruses, hailing from the northeast of England. The Void have gained a dedicated fan base up and down the country with live shows that should not be missed. Tracks such as Get Away and Be There reminisce on a blend of noughties indie and Britpop mixed with a sheer driving force from this four-piece. So if you like the sound of that, you'll probably like the sound of this, which is Hear Me Calling by The Void.
on to previous guests of the show and fronted by a certain Luke Williamson, who you may recognise from various little bits from here. Uh, it's the Mariners with Nobody Told Her, and that is out today on the 14th of October. Uh, Twitter, they are at the Mariners Band, and Instagram, the Mariners underscore band. Uh, brief bit off Spotify. Uh, it's just got creators of antique pop ditties, rhythm riders, Paisley enthusiasts, a band out of time. Uh, here's the latest offering from the very talented The Mariners. Nobody told her. Rounding things off is, if you're in the new music scene, a name you're probably familiar with uh, in the way of Jay Tennant with his new track, Neo Noir. Uh, that was out on the 7th of October and is on Twitter and Instagram on the same handle of Tennant underscore. Uh, a little bit on him. It's got uh, walking the tightrope between the bleak and the beautiful. Jay Tennant raps heart-tugging existential drama into thrilling widescreen epics with skyscraping choruses. Exhilarating singles, Modern Heroes, The Stranger and Sirens are a case in point. Uh, blending a starry-eyed vocal swagger reminiscent of an early Richard Ashcroft with a rare lyrical insight, Jay Tennant is a voice that demands to be heard with sparkling post-punk guitars, hook-laden bass and contemporary electro beats completing his signature sound. Jay Tennant is an exciting prospect for any fans of anthemic 80s, the darker side of the 90s and modern day indie. So after all that, here is a little bit of Jay Tennant's new track, Neo Noir. That's your top six for this episode. Um, all the details for the acts involved will be in the episode description. So their Twitter, Instagram, link on Spotify. Um, so, yeah, go and give them all a listen. Massive thank you uh, for listening to this episode of the podcast. And I really hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, huge thanks as well to Andy for taking the time to join me. Uh, you can find Andy hosting the Bang Bang podcast on all the usual platforms. Uh, he's on Twitter at Bang Bang Podcast if you want to drop him a message or get involved with uh, giving any suggestions for, for the show at all. Um, yeah, I'd also like to thank as well for the continued support uh, of Luke Williamson Art and the Football for Brands 21 quiz book. Uh, if you want to find Luke Williamson, you can do on the web at lukewilliamsonart.com. Twitter at LT Williamson Art 
Uh, Football for Brains is on Twitter at Brains underscore 21. And also you can find the book on eBay, which I'll put the link for in the episode description. As for getting in touch with the show, uh, you can do so on Twitter at Proj underscore foot, Instagram at Project Football Podcast, on Facebook, uh, just search for Project Football Podcast. Uh, If you want to drop a voice message for any suggestions for future um, play on words, mashups, uh, you can do so at projfoot at gmail.com. Again, thank you very much for listening. Uh, We've now reached full time. So goodbye and take care.